Hi, everyone. Before we start the show, I just want to let you know that if you enjoy the Dare Daniel podcast, if you like the work we're doing here, you can help us grow the show by making a donation through the Dare Daniel website. Your generous contributions will help offset the cost of producing the show and will also enable long-term projects. You can make a one-time payment or set up a monthly subscription. Any amount helps, and it's really greatly appreciated. Thanks a lot, and here's the show. Paradoxers, you're listening to the Dare Daniel podcast where you send us your most sinister movie dares and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald and I'm running on 47 teravolts and with me as always is Daniel Barnes, a film critic for the Sacramento News and Review and a member of the San Francisco, San Francisco, San Francisco, San Francisco, film critics cycle. Hi everyone, as Corky said on this show, we do your dirty work, you dirty Dirty Dogs by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine, and then we review and rate them on our unique system. We give a run-of-the-mill bad film. That's just your average, everyday, watchable bad movie. That's a dare. Double dare is for the truly atrocious, kind of hard-to-watch movies, and we reserve the reverse dare for a despised movie that we think is actually pretty good. Today's Dirty Deed will be continuing our October Scare Daniel series with a review of Julius Ona's sci-fi horror film, the Cloverfield Paradox, which premiered earlier this year on Netflix. But before we get started, as you know, Daniel also writes a craft beer column for the Sacramento Bee. So he is going to tell us all about that beer he brought for us today. Well, once again, I have brought us a new glory beer. What? You, uh, the last several new glories is just me finding something that's in my refrigerator <laughs> that I have three of and bringing it here for the show. Um, but this beer is, of course, delicious. It is called Greenergy Double IPA. It is a double dry hopped version, so they put double the amount of citron and galaxy hops. Galaxy hops, you remember that? I do remember from New Zealand. Discussion, uh, mini, uh, Australia, whatever. Same diff. Yep. Get over it. It is uh, 8% alcohol, uh, and it's a hazy beer. And again, it's just another really delicious uh, beer, stone fruit flavors, uh, nice uh, soft bitterness on there. Uh, so just yet another fantastic IPA from our friends at New Glory. And again, we apologize to any New Zealand and Australian listeners. You, of course, are two distinct countries. I don't apologize to you at all. You are all the same to me. And you should be proud of your <laughs> country pride. There's no difference between you, really, honestly. Get so over it. This week's Dirty Dare came to us from Cody Scott. I think Cody sounds like uh, the uh, impersonation I was doing at the movie. Who was I doing? What's his name? <laughs> what? Peter Laurie. <laughs> Why did Cody dare us to watch a Cloverfield Paradox? I watched Winchester, three billboards, and this one in one weekend. And this somehow managed to be the worst of the three movies that pro- got progressively more awful. Well, I will say Cody's a friend of mine, and that was spot on. Did I nail it? Oh, nailed it. (laughs) He is Peter Laurie. The IMDb synopsis for this movie is, Orbiting a planet on the brink of war, scientists tested a device to solve an energy crisis and end up face-to-face with a dark alternate reality. Yeah, and this is another Netflix exclusive, uh, much like Bright, episode three. Check that one out. Uh, It was directed by Julius Ona, written by Oren Uziel and Doug Young. 
uh, with an ensemble cast that includes Gugu Mbatha-Ra, Daniel Bruhl, David Ayello, Zhang Ziyi, Chris O'Dowd, John Ortiz, and it is the third entry in the tenuously connected Cloverfield universe following 2008's Cloverfield and 2016's 10 Cloverfield Lane. However, those connections to the franchise were only created during production. The original spec script was called God Particle. It was not connected to Cloverfield in any way, but it was bought by Bad Robot, and during production, it was changed by J.J. Abrams into another Cloverfield movie. It was shot in the summer of 2016, but it languished on Paramount's shelf for about a year until they finally sold it to Netflix. Debuted exclusively on Netflix streaming on February 4, 2018, following a surprise trailer that aired during the Super Bowl. Um, Which is the reason anybody watched this fucking thing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It was just got amazing placement, and that was kind of keeping in with the uh, other two movies and their sort of guerrilla marketing right. campaigns that they had of a surprise trailer. Uh, even when the first Cloverfield trailer debuted, it didn't even have a, a title on it. It was just <laughs> some sort of a monster screaming and the head of the Statue of Liberty flying in. And everybody in the Super Bowl is like, I gotta see that. Yeah, right, exactly. I gotta see that. I mean, it's right there. It's on Netflix. Game's over, and you just pop Pop on Cloverfield Paradox. Chris is going to show up on everyone's like main home screen as well, since they just... I hate Netflix. <laughs> uh, <laughs> interestingly enough, Quirky, you and I, I think we both like 10 Cloverfield Lane. Right, right, yeah. Interestingly enough, that movie also was based on a spec script completely unrelated to Cloverfield, and during production was changed into a Cloverfield film after that spec script, The Seller was bought by Bad Robot, and J.J. Abrams changed it. Yeah. So just note to screenwriters, you know, sell your script to Bad Robot if you want. It's going to be a Cloverfield movie eventually. At <laughs> some point, if it gets made, it's going to be the Cloverfield something or other. And But you and I both like that movie. It was actually did well with the box office. It did well with critics. The Cloverfield Paradox, on the other hand, scores of 17 on Rotten Tomatoes, 37 on Metacritic, the user scores on both those sites are slightly better, but still not great. Quirky, as a fan of 10 Cloverfield Lane, let me ask you this. Do you think that this latest attempt to Frankenstein monster a Cloverfield movie out of spare parts, do you think it worked this time? In keeping with the Scare Daniel theme, I think this Frankenstein's monster was son of Frankenstein or Abbott Cost and Costello meet Frankenstein. <laughs> right. This was not good. Robert the, De Niro, Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, the Kenneth Branagh yeah. one. The Cloverfield slappy ending surprised us in 10 Cloverfield Lane. Kind of tied in with the paranoia of that movie. This, it doesn't. It, it's two different pieces put together, and it feels that way the whole way through. Yeah, absolutely. I will say, I don't think that, you know, the fact that Cloverfield is in the title of 10 Cloverfield Lane is something of a spoiler in and of itself. No. Right. And I think in that case of 10 Cloverfield Lane, it took what probably could have been a very, very good movie, possibly even a great movie, and turned it into a merely good film. Mm. And I think here it takes what is a bad movie and turns it into a very bad movie. Yeah. It's like it's already a pretty rickety little uh, 10 Little Indians in Space kind of a thing. And this does not help it. That's the but main difference. This would not have been a good movie even without. The Cloverfield. Oh, that. it wouldn't have, but exactly. it makes it so much worse yes. because it really extends it out for another 20 minutes or so. <laughs> um, so I guess let's get right into it. Um, the film is called Cloverfield Paradox. Um, it's not specified, I don't think, anywhere in the film, but it takes place in 2028. Or, okay. at, or at least I think the the kind of space action that we get to after this sort of opening um, overture of the plot. Uh, I, th I believe that takes place in 2028. Gas prices were still pretty reasonable for 2028. Pretty good, yeah. right? Not bad. Probably I've talked about this before, but one of my huge pet peeves of a movie is 
using news reports yes. to further the plot. Yes. And sure enough, the very first thing that we hear before there's even an image on the screen is a voice on the news saying, sources tell us that the world's energy resources will be fully exhausted within five years. Sources tell us? Like, <laughs> that's a pretty big that's source. One, like, name your source. I mean, come, I know journalism. Yeah, so you got a whole thing. That's one where name your source. Go ahead. Yeah, it's fine. Because if you just got that from a guy at 7-Eleven, <laughs> as opposed like, to government officials, a little bit of difference in how I'm taking that news. And frankly, I'm a little disappointed if you're getting going with the guy from 7-Eleven. Seriously. And what's um, great is that even though it's 2028, Radio reception has not improved at all because this is all happening over a staticky like radio signal that is like fading it out. We also hear that there is a space station that is going to attempt a quote risky experimental mission. I'll say, and that they're going to try to get some free energy for the planet. The planet has completely run out of energy. We cut right to Hamilton, yeah, and Michael. There are a couple sitting in a car. And they're waiting, in, and we find out that there's energy crisis. They're waiting in a long gas line. Yeah. They're a British couple, but he's driving on our side of the road. So something's a little off already in this alternate universe. Yeah, right. Well, it seems like they're maybe living in a... Yeah, it's hard to tell who is... Yeah. Yeah. The dialogue in this movie is just like, <laughs> Joe wants you for the mission. Joe knows what we've been through. <laughs> She says, but I know why you want me to go. Yeah, because you can unlock an endless supply of power that could save us all. <laughs> What's so great is that like they just did the most hoary like plot device in the book, which is explain the plot and explain the world of this movie yeah. using news reports. They're trying to be this natural dialogue between this couple at this turning point of their lives. Yeah. And they're trying to make it so it's like a couple's dialogue, but they're also trying to give you the background of this movie All as they well. do is reiterate the stakes that you already were given from, like, they just reiterate the plot. Yes. Of, of what the news reports had already told us. Except add couple tension to it. Yeah, exactly. And they're in this line of cars, so it's kind of like the 70s energy crisis where there were lines at the gas station. Everyone's there. There's a blackout. They say it's the fifth blackout of the day. Yeah. Um, and essentially he sort of pressures her to go on this dangerous mission because she can possibly save the planet. I gotta say, that's the best breakup reason in human <laughs> know, history. Right? Like, Look, I want you to be with I, you. It's me or the planet. Right, I just, I'm trying not to be selfish here, honey. Like, <laughs> it's not me. I want it to it's be me. It's them. <laughs> it's every, it's the other 8 billion people. <laughs> So I'm going to say two different things. Mm. I like some of the science in this movie, and then some of the science in this movie is fucking directly just laughable. Like the explanation of that you can go get renewable energy, an endless supply of energy, that's the farthest they dive into how that works. Right, exactly. It's just, they There's turn a on machine, the, and if it works, you get energy, and if it doesn't work, you don't get energy. Yeah, we, and we have a limited supply of times we can attempt this machine, so there's exactly. built already consequences. already got the ticking clock there. But then also when she's on the space station, because they cut right now, it's, she's up in the space station. Oh, the credit sequence is fucking hilarious because in the credits, they're rolling credits, but then there's also cut shots to the movie. And it seems like there should be dialogue. Like these are scenes that were filmed uh -huh. that they just clipped from the movie, but they're using in the credits. Right. And one of the things that they show is that the day count, day one, day 14, day 624 yeah, right. is where we end up on. Yeah. And we should add that, okay, so Ava and Hamilton, back on Earth, it, it's very clear that she has a capital letters, very big secret, right? Mm, yeah, right. It's not really mentioned, but there's something between them. She has the big secret. And hey, it's a woman going into outer space. Guess what? There's a dead kid. Yeah, right. 
every freaking time. I don't know why we're setting up so many astronauts with dead kids. Every astronaut has like a family member, a close family member who has died recently. It's like, are these the best? Are you sure? Trust me. Yeah. Psychologically, you might be a little off. But anyway, it cuts from her sort of looking up at the sky, smash cut to them on the spaceship with this whole crew, including, like I said, Daniel Brühl, David Oyelo, Zhang Ziyi. It's a multinational space multinational, station Multinational, diverse uh, group of, of people on the space station. And we were just hearing lights and large sounds, and or we're hearing alarms, there's lights everywhere, and we just hear that the firing has failed. Yeah. So their first attempt to do this has failed. And then it goes to the montage of the opening credits, which is just them trying to figure it out, but failing over and over and over again. And this mission, which they thought might take six months, we're in well into year two. Yes. Um, by the time we pick up on day number, what was it? Six hundred twenty-three. Six twenty-three. So when she talks to her husband back home, this is where we find out that much like Collateral Beauty, her kids are part of the Tiny Wings Club. But this time she lost two. That <laughs> yeah, really. Why are you sending a woman who's lost two children up in this? Only person who could do the job. Do they really? Do they use it as a selling point? Like, look, this mission might fail, but look, you got nothing to live for anyway. Just get up there. <laughs> but okay, so, so the the thing that they're doing it's some kind of particle accelerator. They yeah. call it the Shepherd, and somehow if you if you get a stable beam with the Shepherd, then you get energy, and if you don't get a stable beam, whatever the fuck that means, that's just, yeah. then you get no energy. And we kind of fast forward, and again we get some very very natural sounding dialogue where someone says oil wars are spreading, and that Russia is planning a ground invasion. <laughs> like, I don't know if this is in the Cloverfield universe or the Red Dawn universe anymore. <laughs> I was all set to worship at the feet of this movie because Eric B. and Rakim's Don't Sweat the Technique oh, I know, right? is the only song played in this movie. Absolutely. And, and I'm like, hell yes! Give me more Rakim in movies, people. So we find out they only have enough fuel for three more firings. Someone again says the very natural dialogue, humanity is hanging on by a thread. Because all anyone does is talk and plot in this movie. <laughs> and also there's symbolism because the Russian guy is a prick out of nowhere. <laughs> and he picks a fight with the German guy. He just antagonizes the German guy. So the German guy sneak punches him. <laughs> and America jumps in to hold back the German. And it's World War II all over, baby, know, in right? that space station. After this kind of discussion of what's happening in the world and to kind of understand the stakes of it, she kind of goes into her private chamber and accesses on what appears to be the mainframe of the computer videos of her dead children, <laughs> which play in the window yeah. of the ship. Do I you mean, not need to see out the window? The science of this, <laughs> that's as much as the shepherd gives you as well. Windows play pictures too. This is not the last time that she... Uh, plays personal videos on a work computer <laughs> and frankly it's appalling but she just it, it's all just to have this shot of her kind of sitting in this porthole and kind of nuzzling the screen as like shots of her dead children are, are played in the window yeah so the, and yeah. the most unbelievable part of this movie is donald logue is playing a particle physicist who's being donald interviewed logue. That's not donald logue. <laughs> donald logue is in the movie what? Yeah, he's. They show a clip of him being interviewed back on Earth. On oh, thing. His, but, name, his the character name is Mark Stambler. He's certainly no particle physicist, though, is he? Yeah, I think he was, wasn't he? Right. The guy named Monk is religious, <laughs> so they're very subtle. Brazil, Ireland, and the USA are very religious. Germany and China are not. 
we find out this is called the Cloverfield Space Station. I, I'm assuming it, it was named that in post-production oh. because they mention it only like twice, but they mention that they're at the Cloverfield Space Station. They're getting ready to fire up the Shepard again, which is their particle accelerator, which is going to get them free energy. The, and While they're doing that, John Ortiz, who plays Monk, is watching a news report predicting their failure. Yeah. <laughs> While he's preparing to, to do this, he's playing this for everyone, which again is more like, Let's explain the stakes of this thing that's happening. So you thought this guy was a particle physicist? I, I assumed that he was supposed to be like an Alex Jones type of basically psychotic uh, it, government conspiracy person. I don't know what terms mean. I just say shit. <laughs> <laughs> he was like an Alex Jones because at the end he, he's cut off right when he's like, no, buy my book. You yeah. Know, so it cuts off. But his name is Mark Stambler, and that's my favorite part of this. Your favorite part was Mark Stambler. <laughs> That name is just great. Oh, it's fantastic. Name. We know the shepherd is working because it's running apparently at something called forty-seven teravolts, Absolutely. which is roughly equatable to one point twenty-one gigawatts. Yeah. Well, Stambler. We should also mention Stambler basically predicts that the dimensions are going to smash together and that monsters are, and demons are going to go everywhere. And he does this on, while being interviewed by someone on a news report. <laughs> we all hate Alex Jones, oh, dude. Fuck that guy. I just hate that he's like right. In this movie, and it, oh yeah, huh? The Alex Jones character is is the right one. Yeah, we also see while they're firing up the shepherd and everything's shaking, the camera's getting shaky, and lights are going everywhere, and sounds are happening. We see a reference to Slusho, which again is the thing, kind of a thing tying the Cloverfield universe together. Okay. Is this icy drink called Slusho, and we see a little bobblehead, a little Slusho bobblehead. All shit cut in after all the God's Particle actors were not in the movie anymore. Exactly. <laughs> all, all the second unit work. Uh, we hear that there is a successful collision. There is positive energy flow, but suddenly an explosion. Shaky camera. <laughs> and we find the Earth is missing. Yeah. Or are they missing? What? It's ironic because comms is the one who can't find Earth. But the Irish guy, he's funny about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's funny about everything. He's funny about every line of dialogue in the movie. There's confusion. There's panic. People are pointing fingers at each other. Uh, the gyro, which I guess mm -hmm. is an important thing. Yeah. <laughs> that is never really explained. It's gone. There's no gyro. <laughs> I started thinking about this, and the worst part of losing Earth would be that we get no more Eric B. and Rakim. I know, right? That's like the one thing. They don't play him anymore. I no. think it's just in that dimension, there's no Eric B. and Rakim. It's the word. Oh. It was like John L. and Rocker. <laughs> no, Eric B. and LL. <laughs> like that kind of mishmash. And it didn't work. <laughs> So the Russian guy, when he finds out the gyro is missing, he asks Hamilton. He starts pulling at his face pretty weird. And this is when the weird shit starts happening. After the shepherd has failed, right. he starts pulling at his face. And he just asks her, does this look okay? But there's something off with this guy. Absolutely. He's kind of pulling at his skin in the mirror. Um, they hear a roar. It kind of sounds like a monster roar, but it's kind of coming behind uh, this panel in the ship. And they open up the panel. And what do they find? They find a woman in there looking very scared and she's got tubes and conduits all running through her. She's just completely all of a sudden part of the ship's machinery. She it, just appeared there all of a sudden. This movie rips off aliens for this couple of minutes because it's all paranoid stuff that you're hearing in the hallways or they're all separate in the space station walking down hallways and then they find someone pinned up against the wall with stuff coming all through them dying and they she recognizes Ava Hamilton mm -hmm. whoever this person is they don't know her but she recognizes Ava yeah Hamilton. this uh, blonde woman who we find out is named Mina 
Chapman is played by Elizabeth Debiecki. Debiecki? I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. I don't know. We called somebody earlier. Th- What's her name? So What's <laughs> her name? we need old dog. She wasn't even in this movie. <laughs> uh, and she recognizes Ava, who, again, is pretty much our main character, I would say. She's Gugu Mbatha-Ra. She's Ava uh, Hamilton, yeah. I she- mean, her whole arc is just basically Sandra Bullock from Gravity, but whatever. Uh, Mina recognizes Ava, and Ava does not recognize Mina. But Mina is kind of confused as to why Ava's on the ship, and obviously they're pretty confused as to why Mina's on in the middle of their ship's uh, power lines. Yeah. Then we cut back to Earth where Ava's husband, Michael, is finding out that some explosions are happening outside his window as he's looking out his window. Very Skyfall where everybody's just looking out windows telling you the action that's happening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> his whole thing is Staring just reacting off. to phone calls. That's how Or not reacting in a weird <laughs> way, right? Because right. he usually just like stares silent. He does the silent, odd stare at everything. That Whatever happens. room he's in, he stays in to take the call. And he finds out that he's needed at the hospital because shit is going down, but then, and it's not a nuclear bomb, but we don't get to know what he found out it was. Exactly. And this is where it's tying back to really the first Cloverfield movie and the monsters who are attacking New York, the big monster and all those. But you don't know that yet. Exactly. But this is where, this seems to really be where they've expanded it into the Cloverfield universe is everything happening with Ava's husband on earth back on earth. Right. And so it'll cut back to him every about 10 or 15 minutes or so to sort of advance his story a little bit, but that's kind of, which is really annoying because any suspense that is going to happen on the spaceship is consistently undermined by what's happening with him on earth. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Germany and China are kind of whispering under their breath and I'm I'm just going to refer to them as their countries. Exactly. (laughs) Germany and China are colluding. The foosball table is going nuts and that's going to show us that Stuff is not right on Something's the space station. wrong here. Uh, the Russian, he looks in the mirror. His eye is all wonky. He's starting to hear voices, and he is able to somehow go and create a gun yeah. in like some sort of a four-dimensional printer or something like that. Yeah, he creates a gun in there, and there. he overrides a thing, and <laughs> fucking... He stuff. does a thing. He does a thing, and he just has a fucking gun now, all right? Yeah. Just deal with it. He's <laughs> got a space gun. <laughs> Tam is uh, China. She's played by Z- Zhang Zhuyi. Oh god, she looks so good. Like she hasn't aged at hasn't all. Aged a bit, right? She's so amazing. her and Germany are dating. They're a couple, and she says, hey, "I love this line of dog." She only speaks Mandarin or Cantonese. I'm not sure which. She says, and you know this in the subtitles. She says, "Hey Schmidt, come look at these moisture levels." I was like, "All right, nice. turning up a sex scene in this movie." <laughs> I would love that's how scientists talk to each other. Hey, come look at these moisture levels. I want to spurge genetic material all over you. But it was so, still sex talk more realistic than Anna Steele and Christian Grey. Absolutely. It all is. It all is. So yeah, the Russian makes his gun, he goes and threatens to kill Daniel Bruhl and Zhang Ziyi. And instead, he kind of starts to break down and explodes into a pile of worms. Right. Like this, they for some reason, and I don't know why, but they had worms on the spaceship. Some kind of terraforming thing, and I'm now guessing. They, the worms disappeared, and then boom, they were inside this guy. Yeah, but guess what? Ireland has a joke for it. Oh, doesn't he, though? <laughs> yeah, he always He just does. watched a guy, he spent two years on the space station, explode into worms. And his first thing is like... Hold on, let me work. I got something for this. I know, right? I got a bit here. <laughs> Everyone is like super, like weirdly nonplussed at everything that's happening. Because remember, they're like in a different dimension at this point, and right. like crew members have appeared out of nowhere in the machinery, and someone has just exploded into a pile of worms, and it's always like. 
Ah, oh, geez. Ah, <laughs> oh, boy. Not today. <laughs> and then something good, good will happen. Like they'll be like, "Yeah, all right." Like, what <laughs> the fuck? Mondays, am I right? I know. Like, it's what a mild annoyance this is. So Mina Jensen, she's the stranger. She knows everybody on this uh, space station. She knows she can name them except for Tam. She doesn't know the the Chinese engineer. That's her role in her dimension. Which it's kind of becoming clear that these are two different dimensions that are smashing together. Uh, and in her dimension, Gugu Mbatha-Ra is not on the spaceship, and she's down on Earth. Right. She's she's the uh, community leader. I don't remember what the fuck they call her, but she's she's Earth-bound. She's right. not in the spaceship. She didn't come up. She pulls Ava aside and says, don't trust Schmidt. Don't trust Schmidt. Don't trust the German guy. Which so Solid advice. Very next scene. Well, I guess so, because very next scene, the... Keel, the commander, who is the United States, goes and runs at Schmidt and takes a swing at him, knocks him out, and puts him on quarantine, locked down in another room. Takes the word of somebody who appeared in the wall. (laughs) In the wall. And he's like, that German guy. Uh, And so, yeah, David Oyelowo, who is the captain, uh, imprisons uh, Daniel Bruhl on the spaceship based entirely on what this strange person who just appeared on their spaceship has said. Although he says, it's not shown in the movie, but he says that he went on the the com- the computer and found evidence that the German was a spy. Yeah, right. So uh, when you said when you said David Aiello, I wanted I thought it was one of the Aiello kids, like Danny Aiello. <laughs> <laughs> It would be so good because their whole conversation that would always be like, why aren't there more black people on your wall, Sal? <laughs> uh, so we go back to Earth. Which we know because it's a shaky cam again. Everything yeah. on Earth is shaky cam. The doctor, her husband, is heading to the hospital, but the he gets a call that the station is gone. There's destruction everywhere. And he gets out of his car and, again, is just sort of silently walking around and kind of gazing at things. Yeah. And there's a child who is screaming for help, and she is just standing in the middle of all this wreckage, and she's just going, help, 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 help. And he just is standing there staring at yeah. her, and of course, that's how the scene ends. This whole, his whole, the whole Earth thing is just a, him sitting in a room reacting to things. Exactly. And this, this well, he shot sees is so also, dark. Yeah, he also sees the shadow of the Cloverfield monster. I couldn't kind of it against out. A, a lot of, yeah, I mean, it's just a tiny little bit of CGI gotcha. up against like a cloud of uh, dust. Chris O'Dowd, whose name is Mundy. Irish. Mundy's, am I right? <laughs> uh, he's like fixing a panel, and suddenly his arm goes through the panel, and he yells out, Ouch! <laughs> <laughs> like his arm just goes through a metal panel, and he can't get it out. He's like, Ouch! <laughs> well, as uh, Rawhead Rex taught us, the Irish are really loath to commit to being scared about things. <laughs> But he has this special putty that seals things, which is a neat idea for future stuff, but it's such a bad effect. Oh, really bad CGI It's so effect. bad. Yeah. Um, so he emerges from the panel. They yank him out, and he does not have an arm. Nope. And yet feels no pain, yet his arm is like just a total cross-section. Like You can see bone and sinew and everything, but it's all just like cartoonishly. It's like those exhibits of the uh, dead body Yeah, exhibits. exactly. And the religious guy, Monk, says, I don't know what to believe anymore. And it's like, wow. Uh, and Schmidt's cell <laughs> makes <opened>. you think. <laughs> the German who is in lockdown, his uh, the door of his little uh, room that he's being held in opens up automatically, and they find the dismembered arm that yeah. is just sort of crawling around. And somebody says logic doesn't apply here, so you just 
basically everything is just fucking crazy. It's true, right? but it's such a cheat. It's a screenwriter's excuse to do anything. Exactly. His door like, just opens. It's chaotic, but it's not creative. Like nothing no. in here is really clever, cleverly thought out or very uh, smart in the execution. But it's just like, oh, anything could be fucking anything. Because one guy loses his arm because the rules of physics don't apply, but a door opens because a space station wants to be sinister. Right. And let the, yeah, the I know. brew, like, like uh, suspicion. What is the sinister force? Like, that's never really explained. Right. So everyone kind of has figured out there are two realities that are fighting to occupy the same space. And when the reality prime that we went with and started from the beginning the eric b and rakim reality eric b and rakim reality the real world right right the one the one true universe the good one the one we're saving that's the one (laughs) all the universes go to hell uh that when they fired the shepherd it kind of merged the dimensions they sort of smashed into reality b right space station and that's why there's a woman Mina Jensen in Mina Jensen is in the the control panel and yeah. that's why one guy's full of worms and basically everything is just gone fucked up. Yeah. And when they more proof of that is Mundy's arm starts say give me a pen or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it wants I don't know a how pen. They, they figure that out. And it writes cut Volkov open and Volkov is the Russian guy. So they cut Volkov open, but the doctor can't do it. And again, you put the religious guy as the doctor. I hate this movie, but the religious guy is the man of science on board and he can't do it. Now he's, he's all shattered. All his beliefs are shook. Tams is like, I'm on it. I'll cut open a Russian. Yeah. I'm godless. (laughs) What's inside the Russian though, Dan, the gyro, which is a thing that is apparently very important for some reason that is not very important. And now I've had several heroes in me at lunch, and I tell you, I almost killed me. <laughs> Such a bad joke. I'm sorry, everybody That's in the awful. world. <laughs> and what's great is that so they put in this gyro, and now they can they have communications. Uh, that I don't I don't know. It's like their compass or something like yeah. that. So they're able to uh, suddenly connect across dimensions again, or with this dimension. I fucking I, I don't know a fucking clue. But anyway, they they connect with Earth, and as soon as they connect with Earth, everyone's like, yeah. Everything's like fine again. It's like There's you a- just cut that out of a man's <laughs> stomach who's earlier exploded into a pile of worms. But everything's fine now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we did it. We fucking did it. Um and then uh, but we pops in a news report to yep. kind of shatter their world a little bit and it talks about a 14 month long European war and how the Cloverfield space station was destroyed and they realize we're in the wrong damn dimension. So we cut back to Earth Prime, Mike and Molly. <laughs> the little girl's name is Molly. Molly. So now we got Mike and Molly <laughs> reboot. <laughs> which would be an awesome I would watch this one. Right? I didn't watch the original. Come on. They drive, and he texts secretly to a friend, can I just use your shelter? Yeah. So uh, now we're trying to tie into the Cloverfield Lane, you know, trying to get that, recreate that feel. Exactly. Um, they also, his friend texts him that the hospital is destroyed, so don't come to the hospital. Basically, like New York is just, just complete rubble, and it's completely insane because they are driving absolutely alone on the road in the middle of the night. No one is fleeing this no, complete yeah, destruction of New York City. <laughs> Freeways are open. Wide open. Like, no one is, no one it's, anywhere. It's not New York City. It's Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's Huntsville. That's where there's, that's like the new space station thing. That's where they're at, Huntsville. It's not New York. What? Yeah. Every radio broadcast says there were from Huntsville, word from Huntsville, that kind of stuff. Because Maybe, that's where the, the ground control is located. Exactly. So He's he, not in Huntsville. Sure. No. The whole space crew is there. The husband yeah. on Earth is not in Huntsville. He's not part of the space crew. He is a doctor. I know three things. <laughs> you don't know shit. 
Katarina Bratt is dead as Dillinger. All right, let me explain to Corky (laughs) and to our listening audience. The man down on Earth, that is the husband of Ava, played by Gugu Matharat, who is up on the space station. He is not part of the space crew at all. She Skypes with him at one point in the movie, but she basically just Skypes with him. He's a doctor. He's going down to the hospital to help people when he is turned away because his path is blocked by this trail of destruction of the monster, and that's when he finds the kid, and he says, I'm going to get that fuck out of here. I'm going to go to the shelter. And in this scene, he gets a text telling him, don't come to the hospital, and he asks if he can use his shelter instead. Correct. (laughs) <laughs> All of that takes place in Huntsville, Alabama. No, it fucking doesn't. You're insane. <laughs> Have you ever seen the Huntsville, Alabama skyline, Gorky? Because it's a little different than the one we saw in the film. <laughs> so Tam says something back on the space station. Tam says something about ventilation to Schmidt because I've stopped paying attention to that kind of shit. And he runs the numbers on a test and she confirms that the condensation on the ship is throwing off their numbers. She has a way to fix it. Goes down into a room by by herself. Yeah. Uh, which, because there's some sort of sinister force on the ship, yep. it floods. With boiling water. Floods with water, and she's about to drown, and it's going to basically destroy the spaceship unless she opens the hatch and relieves the pressure, which she does, and she instantly freezes to death. Yeah. At which point, someone says the, again, very natural line, this dimension is eating us alive. <laughs> So they decide to go to Mina for help, which again, yeah. stop going to Mina for help. Mina does not have your She's best interest at heart. So they now, decide yeah. that since Zhang Ziyi is dead, they need Mina to assist them in getting the shepherd going, and they're going to use her idea about uh, the condensation issue, which it took them like two years to figure that out. I'm like, my God. <laughs> right? Uh, Mina Jensen is apparently from the Stephen Merchant dimension because she looks just like him. <laughs> and she tells Ava Hamilton that you're still a mom in, in my dimension. So we go again back to Earth. Ava's husband is in the shelter with the little girl. He gets a call uh, saying that they can't find the space station. He gets a call from Huntsville to New York where he is Local out- call. outside of New York at this point. <laughs> Did not have to dial one to make that call. And he gets a call saying that we don't know where the spaceship is, but we're trying to work on it. You know, we'll, we'll keep you posted. <laughs> and the husband says, it's the goddamn paradox, isn't it? <laughs> At which point we hear, again, alarms, red lights, shaking, fighter jets flying overhead. So something is happening outside of this shelter that he's in. So now we go back to the space station again, uh, at which point Mina is saying that uh, she would like, she needs energy, and the ship's very low on energy. And she says something like, oh, I would love, you know, 20 gigawatts of of energy, (laughs) but, you know, 15 would be fine. At which point Chris O'Dowd, who, again, always has the joke, he says... I'd like to take a bath with identical twins in a tub of Rocky Road. And twins! (laughs) Rocky Road? (laughs) That's getting everywhere, man. You got little slivers of almonds in there. You think I cut something? (laughs) (laughs) That's the worst. If you're going to have sex with identical twins in a tub of ice cream, don't overthink it. Yeah, don't put nuts in it. (laughs) vanilla. Silk ribbon of chocolate, maybe. But you, you're getting cloudy with the mushroom marshmallows. I almost said mushrooms, mushrooms in Rocky Road. <laughs> so Mina tells Ava that in her universe there was no fire and there were no dead children, uh, which we find out in Universe Prime. It was uh, Ava blames herself for the death of her children because she used a faulty power cell. Yeah. Um, which I don't know what the fuck that is, and it doesn't matter. 
Um, so uh, Ava decides she wants to stay in this reality where her children are. And she tells this to the captain of the ship. And he's like, ah, yeah, that's probably a bad idea. <laughs> At which point she plays the card. You will never <laughs> understand what this is like. And then he's like, okay. Yeah. It's like that easy to convince someone to like fucking shuffle dimensions. Like it's like that's a huge favor. That's a huge favor. It's like you know what? This will probably kill everyone, but you know, I, I want to do a thing for you. I literally have no idea how this will play. Yeah, out. how will this work? Will this like will all reality just tear to, to ribbons? But ah, eh. but you get you get a couple more minutes with your uh, kids. Exactly. <laughs> so they're gonna shut down the oxygen on the ship to divert power at which point Mundy who is Chris O'Dowd there's a big magnetic field in the room where he's shutting down the oxygen and of course there's always an explosive container in pretty much any room of the house and that gets uh, whooshed into the magnetic field and sure enough kaboom explosion baby explosion Mundy he's gone right at which point Mina I believe says that she's going to go out and fix it because now part of their space station is spinning off of its axis and if they don't uncouple it from the rest of the space station they're all gonna die yeah at which point mina is like okay i'll go out and fix it and for some reason david yellow the captain is like no you can't go we three have to go (laughs) so him and ava and monk monk all go out to fix it all three of them instead of the like three people from a different dimension instead of the one person who is actually in this dimension it would have been so great if they got tony shalhoub's monk to play it though Everything would have been pristine on that. He would have sussed out Mina Jensen from the go. Uh, so this is when I was like, hey, you know what? They're in the space station. There's no, they had no budget for like floating actors to one room to another. Oh, they yeah. had no budget for that. And this is where it really shows. Oh, yeah. Because the laws of nothing apply anymore. <laughs> no, seriously. Like this thing is flying. Like it's kind of this part of the spaceship and is, is rotating wildly, right? And there's a big chunk missing from this hole of getting from one part to the other so part of the space station is like open space yeah and there's just shit flying everywhere but they just walk like they, they just walk they just walk it. she does a jump like indiana jones like in the fucking last crusade they're just like burp take one step and it's like cgi shit just bridge appears she jumps out of one part of the spaceship into another part of the spaceship and there's no part of her like floating off into space she just lands with a thud (laughs) in the other room like gravity works perfectly right there in that room yeah (laughs) um so as it turns out the captain of course has to pull a spock in wrath of khan and sacrifice himself to save everyone so he dies uh ava and mina are getting ready to take an escape pod uh, because Ava's going to go down to her. <laughs> She's going to go to the Eric Bean Rock Kim list. Where there's another Ava, by the yeah, way. Right. Who's just down on Earth there. But she's going to go Aaron Burr and just take out that Hamilton and be like, I'm the one Hamilton. But Mina steals the gun. Right. Remember the gun? Yeah. That was just, I mean, the gun didn't go off. So, I mean. Ch- oh, my God. Do you think they named him Volkov so they could call it a Volkov's gun? <laughs> exactly. Came back in the third act. <laughs> oh, man. So she. What the fuck does she do? She steals the gun and she knocks out Ava with the gun. But you know that Mina's up to something because now all of a sudden are starting doing push-ins on her face. Yeah. She's like overhearing conversations. But you've known the whole movie because she's constantly giving weird evil looks to everybody. Yeah. It's like this movie's not They really ratchet it up though. Um, So she shoots Monk, steals the firing key for the shepherd, then shoots Schmidt and chases Ava around the station screaming, don't fail them again. 
uh, which like she's trying to kill her. So I don't know. I don't know what exactly. Oh, she's trying to taunt her as well. Trying to taunt her out, and she has a wrist pad. She hits two buttons on the wrist pad and calls up Ava's family videos on every screen in the entire place. Those wrist pads can do anything because when they're in a struggle, when she's got her by behind. Ava touches her wrist pad, and now a stream of air shoots in her face. <laughs> right. And she goes, ah, and falls off her. Those wrist pads have everything Those on wrist there. pads are amazing. Hey, Siri, open my wrist pad. But it's funny Do because anything. no one ever needs to hit more than two buttons on any computer to call up Ava's family videos. Like, here's a crazy thought. Is the shepherd not working <laughs> because the memory is completely overloaded with your family videos? They seem to be everywhere on the mainframe of the spaceship. Ava, you're playing them on the windows again. You're on the windows. I need to calibrate where it's cali- Not a little thing in the window. The whole window. It's just her dead kids. The gun goes off and it shoots a hole in the window, right? Very symbolically, it's a window where it's playing pictures of her exactly. kids. Exactly. And Ava herself shoots at the window saying, yep. my kids are dead. I don't need to live this anymore. Shoots at their kids' faces in the window. <laughs> shoots Symbolically shoots her children. Only Mina gets sucked into she that gets part. gets sucked out and that's it. But she flies out into space. Ava is able to uh, secure the airlock or something like that. They're, she's fine. I wondered, Apparently, Daniel Brule is still right. alive. I like, wondered why the gunshots happened off screen, but now it's to find out the man who's been shot twice, Daniel Brule, is still alive. Is able to? Get, it's like exposed all over again. The per- person who's gut shot, if you shoot in the gut, you're capable of feats <laughs> that normal human beings aren't capable of. He wanders into the pod, straps himself in, is able to quip some lines. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're like, hey, uh, when they get back in touch with ground control in Huntsville, hey, we heard you're alive. There's still some discussion about that. Yeah, (laughs) he's stealing Monday's bit now. So, but before they fire up the shepherd, Ava records a message for Ava Prime. Records a message for Ava 2.0 Beta, yeah, which is along with plans for the shepherd and all their. They figured out the condensation. No other universe figured out the condensation and a warning and a request to hold her husband and children tight no matter what she's doing. And this scene is just awful. Yes, it's the worst scene in the entire movie. They get back, everything works on its last try. The shepherd works and gets them back. Yeah, so they... I mean, explain. This is just like cross the streams and then don't cross the streams and then do cross the streams. Because yeah. it's like the shepherd fired them to that dimension. So now they're going to do it again and fire back to their dimension. As soon as they fire back to the dimension, what do they do? Fire up the shepherd again. <laughs> they fire it up again to see if they get energy. And this time, yeah, indeed, we have a stable beam. Their power source works, and they take right off for Earth. No, let's get going. It's the most rush ending ever. They're out of there. They're yeah. out of there. And we get call to the husband, who is still in the shelter, and they tell him that Ava's fine, and she's coming back to Earth <gasps> right now. And he says, tell them not to come back. Tell them not to come back. What's happening? He's giving this dire warning with all those things that are out there and the final shot of the movie is the capsule with the german and with ava coming down 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 down, 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 down. below the cloud line disappears below the cloud line and then up above the cloud line comes a gigantic cloverfield monster who screams and that's your movie that's your movie that's your cloverfield paradox that's your paradox baby so as we said it's pretty much everything on earth that is sort of tying into the cloverfield world everything on the space station is kind of just a mishmash of a lot of it was obviously horror movies it was a different movie event horizon and all that kind of stuff and at a certain point jj abrams just decided like 
oh, hey, like the whole idea of like clashing universes or different alternate realities will allow me to explain all of the inconsistencies in the cinematic universe, which, oh my God, that was the same thing J.J. Abrams used to explain all the inconsistencies in the Lost Universe. Oh, and hey, that was also (laughs) the thing that J.J. Abrams used to explain all the inconsistencies in the Star Trek universe. And oh, hey, J.J. Abrams is a fucking hack. Oh, shit. Shots Shove it up your ass, J.J. Abrams. Um, But yeah, this movie, it would... It would be super, like, kind of like we were talking about with Bright. This would feel very chintzy and low budget on a big screen. Sure. It's about right for Netflix. It's it's sized for Netflix. It was a TV episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, and again, kind of as with Cloverfield Lane, uh, tying it to Cloverfield didn't really do the film any favors, but it, it just wasn't a very good film in the first place. It detracted. It actually detracted to me in this one. I I liked the addition on in Cloverfield Lane. Uh, at least it didn't detract for me. It detracted from this. Yeah, one. very much so. So let's wrap up and give our ratings to this film. Just to remind everybody, a dare is a run of the mill bad film. Double dare is the next level bad film, and our verse dare is a movie we think is actually pretty interesting. Corky Cloverfield Paradox. What do you rate it? Uh, this is the definition of an end then plot. That's the way everything happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then they believe the German everything he says, and then they believe the other person everything she says. It's bad all across the board, yeah. but it's not double dare bad. It's ignorable bad dare you could watch because everybody's watched it because of the super bowl ad right watch it just so you can say you know what everybody's talking about and dismiss it just like everybody else exactly yeah i I am agree with you i'll say a dare it was watchable it got very annoying going back to earth over and over again i wish it was like an 85 minute movie that was entirely set in space sure the husband character was almost completely wiped out um but yeah it's just basically your run-of-the-mill bad low budget uh space horror type movie Stop making movies where women's whole thing has to do with their dead children. Seriously. Or their unborn children. (laughs) All right. So now that we've established that we're daring this motherfucker, (laughs) that's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel. But we'll be back next week to review another one of your movie dares. In the meantime, check out our Thursday mini episode for a preview of the next Scare Daniel review, as well as more talk about your scares and movies in general. Until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com, and be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can read more of my movie reviews in the Sacramento News and Review and at newsreview.com. Corky! Yeah! Where can people find more of your work? I'm performing in any universe where Eric B. and Rakim are still around and don't sweat my technique. Nice. So you'll be performing in this universe. Absolutely. Paid nice. full, baby. You'll be performing in the Cloverfield universe. <laughs> yeah, only. I, I guess that's <laughs> it's only. Well, if that's where Eric B. and Rakim are. All of your jokes are, worth it. are a bit interdimensional now. <laughs> So for Dare Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. Our producer is Johnny Cloverfield Doxapair Flores. Oh, shit. <laughs> I totally had it and then I lost it. Uh, what was that dumbass dialogue? And I'm Corky McDonald saying this dimension is eating us alive. <laughs> Love you, everybody.